and welcome to episode number 219 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown. Joined each and every week by Steven Anderson. I'm not going to lie. I am very, very excited about this podcast, Steven. Listen, we had an awesome golf season. I love doing the Megapods when the golf comes around. We had nice little uh, NFL season podcast, but here's the thing. Those NFL season podcasts ended, and then there was a gap, and there was a void. There was something in my heart, and it wasn't there anymore, and it was the game of football. Now, we moved into golf, and that was great, and we had a good time with the golf podcast. We had a very successful golf season, but something about this podcast as we sit here on July the 28th previewing the AFC West that just warms my heart, my friend. You and I have been digging in. There are so many good resources out there to get you prepared, to get you knowledgeable for the NFL season. I know you and I, like the Warren Sharp guy, the football outsiders, there's a million options out there to dig in to that that void in our souls to get us back into football mode to look at these markets that are already out for the NFL and try and find some value and we begin with what I think is the most exciting division in football on this podcast it's why I wanted to kick things off here with the AFC West because I think that there are guys that are, are already going to start digging around to, to make some bets here early. They're going to be digging around to make some bets before we even get into preseason. And Stephen, I got to I got to imagine that the AFC West is where a lot of people are going to start because you look at this division top to bottom. Any one of these teams, we could be sitting here in January talking about them being real contenders when it all comes down to it. So I think we picked the, the perfect division to start with. For sure. I think the strongest roster in the NFL is in this division, and I will save it until we get to that team. Little tease. But uh, I think that, you know, there's a range of outcomes here. I don't think anybody would be totally shocked if any team in this in this division goes in and finishes on top. Uh, I think it's the the highest floor of any division. I think the worst team could be the best team in a lot of other divisions. So, but I also think that, you know, some of these rosters aren't necessarily deep either, or they have a glaring issue at one particular spot uh, that's going to make me downgrade them over my top team. So right now, if you head around and do some shopping, the best price you were going to find on the Chiefs to win the AFC West, plus 190 over at Caesars Chargers, plus 240. You can find that at a couple of different books if you're looking to take the Chargers to win the division. The Broncos, plus 325. Also, that best number is at Caesars. And if you want the Raiders to win the division, you can find 7-1 to one on the Raiders out there to win the the division. So let's let, let's kick things off here with the Broncos because I, you know, as big of as big of moves that were made, I think this one is still the biggest. I mean, listen, there was a big move made by every single team in this division. But listen, you, you go out and you acquire Russell Wilson. That is the the biggest move in this division, in my opinion. Okay, so Stephen. Nathaniel Hackett takes over for Vic Fangio here for this Broncos team. Hackett coming over from the Packers. He was the offensive coordinator over there for the past three years. Um, Justin Outen, it was with the Packers. He's going to be the offensive coordinator. He was the tight ends coach there for the last three years. And then you have a, a Giro Vero who comes over from the Rams where he was a defensive game pass court, defensive pass court game coordinator over there. He's going to be the defensive coordinator 
for this Broncos team. For talking about what came in, of course, I just mentioned Russell Wilson, Randy Gregory also in, Billy Turner, an offensive tackle also in, Alex Singleton at linebacker, DJ Jones on the defensive line, Kwan Williams at corner. You also brought in Tom Compton on the offensive line as well. If you look at the guys that left, Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, Stephen Weatherly, some of the big names of the guys that left for this squad. They didn't have a first round pick this year, so they came in with a linebacker, Nick Benito, in the second round. They took a tight end and Greg Dolchich in the third round, and they took a corner in Damari Mathis in the fourth round. So if you kind of look at this roster here, um, bring in a, a finally a real good quarterback for the first time in several years here. This team has been stumbling over trying to find somebody at the quarterback position. They bring in a couple of offensive uh, uh, offensive linemen to make sure that Russell Wilson isn't running for his life like he was the last few years over in Seattle. Randy Gregory, when he's on the field and healthy, is one of the better defensive disruptors out there. And, uh, you know, what they did lose, I, I don't think is really all that bad here. Um, uh, Nick Benito is their second round pick at linebacker, can help shore up that position. I, all in all, I think that I, I like what I see in this in this Broncos team. So I, I love what I see on offense, but I am skeptical of the defense, Matt. They lost Vic Fangio. I think this defense is a bit overrated if you look at the traditional stats on paper. This is a defense that um, opposing offenses had the second worst starting field position. Why was that? It was because they had a very slow offense in Denver that actually did move the ball, but still punted a ton in good field position situations. So the opposing offenses that they faced were starting from very far back, second worst field position, as I said. And the they had the lowest opponent possessions uh, that – uh, sorry, got my my mind out of whack here. But you know they they were number three in points per game allowed, but they led the league in the fewest opponent possessions on offense. So the reason why the teams didn't score that many points against the Denver defense is that they just didn't have many opportunities to do so. So in reality, if you look at them on a per drive basis or an efficiency basis, they were 20th in yards allowed per drive in DVOA. And I do think they have pass rush issues. They lost Von Miller with that trade last year. Randy Gregory only had six sacks in 12 games. Bradley Chubb, who was supposed to be the heir apparent to Von Miller, had zero in seven games. So overall, Matt, I think this is kind of a sneaky over team this year early in the season if the, if the, the totals aren't quite uh, what we expect. I think if we're getting totals that expect the Denver defense to be elite like a lot of people thought they were last year, this is a team that I'm going to be all over overs, uh, overs on. But I do have a lot of faith in this offense. Um you know, yeah, you can, this offensive line is what really stood out to me, right? I mean, Garrett Bowles at left tackle. You got Rishner at guard, Cushenberry at center, Glasgow at guard, and then you got and then you bring in Billy Turner at the other tackle position. I mean, this is a top ten offensive line for sure, and it might be a top five unit if all these guys play up to to potential. Yeah, for me, it's Russell Wilson, right? You can you have to make one decision or another. You need to decide whether or not Russell Wilson is on the decline in his career or if last year was more related to the finger injury uh, in the middle of the season. So he was 6.3 yards per attempt in his first four games, but 7.6 yards per attempt in his final five. Now, granted, 
those games were against pretty easy opponents, the Texans, Bears, Lions, and then the Cardinals and Rams. So that might have had something to do with it. But to me, the confidence is more about the coaching staff and what they're going to do for Russell Wilson, because uh, we've we have lamented for years to let Russ cook in Seattle. And it just hasn't happened. Pete Carroll has put his head in the sand and coached like it's the 1970s. But for Nathaniel Hackett, this is an offensive coordinator in Green Bay that had 211 RPOs last year. They had 63 RPO passes versus just 13 in Seattle for Russell Wilson. Seattle was 29th in passes with pre-snap motion. Green Bay was 7th. And in 2020, Wilson had 282 pre-snap motion pass attempts with a different offensive coordinator than he had last year. And that led to a season where he was top 10 in QBR and total QBR. And he had 40 touchdown passes despite taking the third most sacks. So I think Hackett coming in is a major upgrade for Russell Wilson. I think he has enough weapons on the outside. Do I think they're as good as DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett were in Seattle? No, but I think the combination of the scheme and the speed and the talent they have at the receiver and the athleticism they have at the tight end position is going to add up to a lot of points for this team. But I think they're going to have to outscore teams because I think their defense is overrated. Yeah, uh, listen, it's a lot of this is going to come down to how much Randy Gregory is going to be able to to stay on the field, right? I mean, we're we're seeing a guy that when he's on the field, when he's actually healthy and playing, he's a top. I mean, he is he's quite literally a top ten quarterback pressure rate guy in the NFL. The problem is is just getting him on the field and, and getting him healthy. Can Bradley Chubb? take that next step, right? Because he has certainly underperformed since he's been in the league. So we need him to do that. Now, Patrick Sertan is a star in the making. He was already the 11th ranked corner in all of the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus last season. And he is super, super young and only getting better. So you're talking about a top 10 corner in Sertan. So, I mean, I think the defense has has potential certainly to to be really good it just depends on again can can Sertan continue his ascension does Chubb finally come around to at least be an above average player as opposed to a below average player can Randy Gregory stay on the field out there there's a lot of question marks but as you mentioned on the offensive side with that offensive line combined with Russell Wilson combined with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, who, by the way, is very underrated as far as a receiver goes. And KJ Hamler, you are four deep at the receiver position. And now it might not be as good as some of the top twos that are out there on other teams. But if you're talking one to four, being four deep like they are is a pretty, pretty, pretty big thing. So, I mean, Russell Wilson, if you look right now, if you shop around to win MVP, the best odds you're going to find on him is 16 to one on Russ to win the MVP. And listen, if you're bullish on this team, Stephen, I don't hate a Russ MVP ticket because in order for this team to be really good, they are going to have to win the hardest division in the NFL. So Russell, so Russ to win the MVP, if you're bullish on the Broncos in general, you should also sprinkle a little bit on Russ to win MVP because he's going to have to play at an MVP level in order for this team to have that type of success. 
I don't hate it. Um, obviously, the number shortened after he got traded there, and, and rightfully so. So I'm, I'm not sure how much value is left in that number. Um, there's another guy in this division I might be a little bit more interested in. We'll see. But I, we're talking about a quarterback who now has the, you know, I know it was Aaron Rodgers, but he was not MVP Aaron Rodgers for back-to-back seasons until LaFleur and Hackett got there. And now Hackett is in Denver. So um the one bet that I'm on the fence about, I want to get your opinion on it. It has mm-hmm. to do with the running back situation. And I think Javante Williams is, is one of the top five most talented running backs in the league already, even though he has not been fully unleashed. But I think his scrimmage yards prop is inflated. It's out there at 1,250 and a half total scrimmage yards. This is a guy who played all 17 games last year as a rookie and went under this number. Melvin Gordon is back. He's got a head coach that was more than happy to play two running backs almost equally in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in Green Bay a year ago. And Russell Wilson is below average in targeting running backs each of the past two years. In fact, he was 31st last year. So I'm a little bit scared of it because I love the talent. I think he's going to be an incredible running back in this league. But under 1250 looks uh, fairly attractive to me at the moment. Yeah, and I mean, look, we 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 got to bake in that we think that this team is probably going to throw a, a decent amount, right? I mean, look at the division that they're in. They're going they're they're going up against these teams with the high flying offenses and stuff. And while we think that this team is going to be pretty good, we we have to assume they're going to be trailing in some games as well, right? I mean, like there's this division is just too incredibly strong for them not to be. And so, yeah, I think that that is a pretty Strong play, no doubt about it. If we look at the strength of schedule, speaking of that, uh, according to Warren Sharp, they are dead center, right? 16th, dead center right in the middle as far as strength of schedule goes. He has them projected at 10 and a half wins. If we go over to Football Outsiders, what they're looking at here, their mean projection is nine wins. They have them as a playoff contender, which they consider to be anywhere between nine and 11 wins at 40% of the time. They have them making the postseason 49% of the time, and they have them making the Super Bowl at 6.8% of the time. So, Stephen, basically what we're getting here in this Broncos team is, and this is the same for, for every team in this division that we'll talk about, is a team that is, if they play at their 95th percentile out, outcome, can be a 11-12 win team, can be a Super Bowl contender. If they play in their 40th percentile outcome, we could see a team below 500. It's just, the division's just too tough. If they stumble within the, in the, within the division, you could be looking at, at four or five losses just within the division alone, and then any of the other losses that you get somewhere along the way. And I think this is a, a recurring theme as we talk about the AFC West here as to far as far as what the ceiling and floor is for all of these squads. Um, that said, I I tend to lean a little bit more towards the the positive side here. I'm still a believer in Russ. I know a lot of people are thinking that he's big time on the decline. Uh, this is yeah, going to be the most talented that. team that he's played with. It, it, arguably in his career here. And so I, I, we'll find out real quick whether Russ is cooked or not. Uh, I don't think that he is, but man, you do look at how the schedule ends up and they're going to have to bank some wins early, Steven, because you start in week 13 and it goes Ravens, Chiefs, Cardinals, Rams, Chiefs, Chargers. That is weeks 13 to 18. So you better bank some wins early because you are going to come out of that stretch at 500. And if you come out at 500, you should be feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, week one. 
against Seattle, the total is at 42, 41 and a half. And that's going to that's going to test my theory real quick because the Seattle quarterbacks are just crap. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see about that one. The best odds you can find 18 to one if you do want to take the Broncos to win the Super Bowl. Now, let's talk about a team here that is getting all of the buzz a team that maybe rightfully so is getting all the buzz. And that is the San Diego chargers. Brandon San Diego. I <laughs> <laughs> still doing it. Oh man. I love it. I listen. You know what? I'm okay with that. I am okay with that. You know what? Because to me, they're always going to be the San Diego Charger. San uh, the LA Diego, chargers. Brandon Staley. Um, Brandon Staley, of course, continues here as head coach, Joe Lombardi, offensive coordinator, Renato Hill as defensive coordinator. Now, what did they do in the offseason? They did as much as as just about any team out there, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. They brought in Khalil Mack. They brought in J.C. Jackson. They brought in Sebastian Joseph Day. They brought in Austin Johnson. They brought in on the offensive side, they brought in Gerald Everett. Um, in the draft, they go and they get an offensive guard in Zion Johnson in the first round. They took a safety in the third round in JT Woods and then a little bit of some, maybe a little bit of, of insurance there in the fourth round. Isaiah Spiller at the running back position. Um, Steven, this LA, I mean this, yes, LA Chargers team <laughs> here uh, has been getting a, a ton of buzz. Look, they are, like I said, the best odds you're going to get is plus 240 on them to win the AFC West. If we look at what people are talking about for this team from a Super Bowl perspective, the best you are going to find on this Charger squad out there is 16 to one right now. So listen, you and I, I think, given us truth serum, yes, there were a couple of different times last season where we would have said, hey, Brandon Staley, don't get too cute here. Sometimes you do just have to punt the ball. But if you go and you look at the stats, everybody's talking about Brandon Staley, fourth downs, Brandon Staley, fourth downs. What's he doing? What's he doing? They didn't even go for it the most amount of times in fourth, on fourth down in the NFL. It was just high profile decisions that he made. Let's also not forget they're a West Coast team, so they play in the afternoon window a lot of times. So there's fewer games going on. So more people are watching. So there's more more eyeballs on these fourth down decisions and all that. I think if you ask Brandon Staley and he had to tell you the truth, he'd say, you know what? I'd take two or three of those back, but every one of the other ones I would do, I'll do again this year. And I expect them to continue to be an aggressive offensive team and if anything, what we're talking about with these other teams in division should dictate that as well, because you can't just sit down in this division if you want to if you if you want to come out on top because there's too many good teams. One hundred percent. And this is the strongest roster in football, in my opinion. I will be betting them at, I believe you said, plus 240 to win the division, uh, not only because of their talent, but also because the Chiefs have the toughest strength of schedule by opponent win totals. The Chargers are outside the top 10 toughest. So I think that lines up very well for them. And I think you have a situation where the Chargers are fully taking advantage of the cheat code that is the rookie contract for their elite quarterback. Uh, One of the weaknesses they had last year was 
stopping the run on defense. They went out and added a couple of pieces in Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Jackson to try and shore that up. Uh, they went out and got J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack as well, a pass rusher and a solid secondary player. And per, per sharp football, this is the only team in the NFL that has a top 10 ranking across every major position group, including head coach. So I don't see any weaknesses in this team. Now, the one thing I would like to see more of from Justin Herbert is more consistency on first and second down. Because if you look at what he's done over the course of his career, he's been elite on third and fourth downs. But that typically is a stat that isn't consistent year to year. We're going to see regression in that area. Um, If we look at early downs for Justin Herbert, we're looking at a situation. Let's look at one particular here where, you know, first downs, uh, first down EPA per attempt in the first three quarters. So Justin Herbert is... 27th in that category. So he needs to be improved on first downs. Um, His coach is going to continue to call passes on first down. I'm confident in that. But if you look at third and fourth downs for Justin Herbert, um, he is number two. So, you know, is it possible that there's some regression there? Yes. Uh, But I also think he has the talent to be better on the early downs. And we need to see that from him if this is going to be a Super Bowl team. If we take a look here, the the strength, of course, you have the offensive side of the ball. But I I think if we focus on the defensive side, as you mentioned, I mean, listen, you've got Khalil Mack, you've got Joey Bosa right then and there. You've got one of the best pass rushing tandems you're going to find. You still have Jerry Tillery, who is graded out uh, as one of the the better interior defensive linemen in football. They go out, they make moves to shore up the the inside of that defensive line as well, bringing in Sebastian Joseph Day, bringing in Austin Johnson. Those guys will probably rotate depending on the the down and situation on the inside for them. And then you look at the secondary where you have J.C. Jackson, Derwin James, Nasir Adderley, Asante Samuel. I mean, th- this is a this is a very, very, very good secondary to go along with a pass rushing group that should be able to put a ton of pressure on the quarterback as well. So I am most excited while I love Justin Herbert and I certainly love what they have on the offensive side of the ball. How could you not like Mike Williams? How could you not like what they have in, in Keenan Allen and of course, uh, Eckler catching the ball out of the backfield as well. Of course, you love all of that. But man, the defense is what really has me excited in a division in which if you can have the best defense, because I mean, we could sit here and argue all day long about which team has the best offense. I think you could make a case for just about everybody. But if you have the best defense in this division, that might be what eventually ends up putting you over the top. And what is the the key to actually winning this thing? Here's the other thing, too, that their defense is due for some positive regression as well. This is a team that allowed third down conversions at forty nine and a half percent. That was the worst in the league and eight point six percent over expectation. So um, 
you know, like we talked about with the Denver defense with negative regression, I think the Chargers are, are due for some positive regression on defense. And we can talk about how aggressive Staley is on fourth downs as much as we want. He's going to have a defense that's more capable of making up for the times where they don't convert on fourth down. And I think the fact that he's willing to do that just increases the Chargers ceiling that much where if they're hitting their ceiling, they're going to be tough to beat against any team they play in the NFL, including the favorite in this division, the Kansas City Chiefs. If we look at weeks one to 10, they're going to need to bank some wins in weeks one to 10. And then as they head into the second half of the schedule, they're really going to need to. uh, This is where we'll find out if this is actually a championship caliber team or not. But if you do look in weeks one to 10, they, they kick off a, against the Raiders. That's not a must-win game, but it is certainly a statement game right off the bat. They get the Chiefs in Week 2, so the Chiefs might still be figuring some things out offensively in Week 2. Then this is the stretch right here where it goes Jags, Texans, Browns, Browns most likely without Deshaun Watson. So you get Jags, Texans, Browns. You have to go 3-0 and in that stretch right there. Yes, your next game's against Denver. Let's call it a coin toss, whatever it might be. But then you come back with games in week seven, a bye, and then week nine against the Seahawks and then the Falcons. We are looking right there, Stephen, at a stretch in which this team, if they are going to be a championship contender, they got to go five and one. They got to beat Jacksonville. They got to beat Houston. They got to beat Seattle. They got to beat Atlanta. They got to beat the Browns. Maybe, maybe not on on the Broncos. It is a home game against the Broncos. If you come out of that six and zero, of course we're going to be going crazy about this team being a being a championship contender. But you got to go five and one right there because again, it's the same deal with these other teams in this division. You get to the second half of the schedule, and it is backloaded with a bunch of games that yeah, they they might not be incredibly tough, but they're not going to be easy. You're still games against the Chiefs, games against the Cardinals, games against the Raiders. Then you get the Dolphins who everybody thinks might be better. The Colts who everybody thinks might be better. You get the Rams in week 17 and then have to play on the road at Denver in week 18. So, another team here that's going to need to bank some wins early. For sure. And I think if that happens, you're going to see that 16 to 1 Super Bowl number get right up there with the Buffalo Bills number that's sitting at, you know, plus 650 is the best number uh, before the season. I, in my opinion, as we sit right now going into the season, I disagree with the fact that the Chargers are the sixth choice on this board. I would have them Mm -hmm. over the Rams. I would have them over the Packers. Uh, I would have them basically in this same tier with the Bills, Buccaneers, and Chiefs. So I think there's it's it's not a long shot. It's not a long number, but I think sixteen to one is is a fair price on the Chargers. So the the one bet that I'm looking at potentially making before the season starts is Justin Herbert to lead the league in passing yards. If he does improve on early downs, like I expect, um, and with the aggression that we see in this offense and the weapons he has in the offensive line, I can see him being near the top of the league in passing yards. So um, plus 800 on that price is one that I'm looking at here. To win the MVP, if you did want to go Justin Herbert's way, he is 10 to 1 is the best number you're going to find on Justin Herbert. Again, a guy that has just come into the league. He and Joe Burrow have kind of redefined what young quarterbacks can do in this league. And Herbert at 10 to 1, I think is fair. I mean, if we're talking about an offense that if if they hit their ceiling, 
which a lot of people think that they will. A lot of people are super high on this team. If they hit this, if they hit their ceiling, we could be talking about Justin Herbert for sure as the favorite to win MVP whenever we are heading towards the end of the season. And he trailed only Tom Brady in passing yards last year with more than 5,000. And Tom Brady uh, is 45 years old. So we'll see if he can do it again. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Let's head to the Las Vegas Raiders, another team that made an incredible amount of moves in the offseason. Let's start at the head coaching position. In comes Josh McDaniels, finally deciding that this was the right gig for him, finally deciding to get out of the Northeast. He heads to the desert. Josh McDaniels takes over as head coach. Mick Lombardi is going to be your offensive coordinator. Patrick Graham is going to be your defensive coordinator. So outside of just re, re, uh, overhauling the entire coaching staff, the big news they traded for Devontae Adams, extended Hunter Renfro. Of course, you still have Darren Waller as well. So you're talking about a pass-catching trio here that, again, is right up there at the very top with everybody else in the league. They signed Chandler Jones on the defensive side of the ball. They signed Bilal Nichols on the defensive side of the ball. They, they went in and made a concerted effort on the defensive side to make this team better just like the chargers did they made some big moves on that side as well they also had anthony averett is coming in as well not as not as big of a signing but again just something something to shore up get some depth there in the secondary for this team to go along with i think one of the more underrated players steven in the league in max crosby we talk about the best pass rushers out there i think people most people even football people would probably name five, six, seven, eight guys before they got to Max Crosby. And I think we're really, really underselling Max Crosby and what he's able to do. And now you pair him up with Chandler Jones. And we're talking about two edge guys here that, again, we could argue and argue and argue, but there's a case to be made that they're the best edge combo in the league. For sure. I mean, what's what's the cheat code on defense anymore, right? The, the, the last remaining advantage that a defense can have against an offense in the NFL with so many of the rules skewing towards the offense is to get pressure on the quarterback without blitzing. And the Raiders did that last year. They, were, they had 35 sacks last year, despite blitzing at the lowest rate of any team in the league. And to your point, adding Chandler Jones should only improve that. So I think that the defense, in, the, in particular, the front seven is the strongest unit on this team 
that's even with adding, you know, I, I guess you could make a, an argument for Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, the pass catchers maybe being right. stronger, but I think that's so reliant on the quarterback and the offensive line. So I think this front seven is the unit that has to play at an elite level to keep this team in games to be able to, to compete in the toughest division in football and maybe scratch out a wild card spot. The thing that I like about uh, McDaniels coming in is I think he's going to get the most out of his personnel here. And I'm just, you know, this is complete speculation. This is just me drawing back onto what you and I have seen over the last several years. But McDaniels has always been able to take what we have said is an okay roster, an average roster, certainly not one of the on paper top 10 rosters. In the NFL, as far as players go and, and talent level and skill level and whatnot, and he's always been able to get the most out of these guys. So I have a I just I feel really good about him being able to get the most out of these guys. And the the biggest problem here, if we want to talk about a wart, because it's certainly not going to be at the skill positions here, is gonna be is 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 Derek Carr going to have the opportunity to really showcase what he can do with all these guys because of this offensive line. I mean, if we look, Colton Miller, Denzel Good, Andre James, they're probably going to have to start a rookie in Dylan Parham, Alex Leatherwood in year two. Th this is an offensive line, Stephen, that if they hit their floor as opposed to their ceiling, we could be talking about, you know, what could have been with this team because Carr is going to be either running for his life or taking a ton of sacks because the floor for this offensive line is like bottom five unit. You know, I didn't think of it till now, but this conversation's reminded me a lot of our conversations about the Bengals going into last season, where we thought the defense made some additions. They had some weapons. They had a quarterback that, you know, we th we thought we could trust, but offensive line issues. And the Bengals, you know, listen, Joe Burrow is not Derek Carr. Joe mm -hmm. Burrow is a lot better than Derek Carr. But they were able to overcome those issues with the offensive line with scheme and some really good additions on defense to make them better on defense as well. So mm -hmm. is there a ceiling where the Raiders can get into the playoffs and make a run? Yes. But the Bengals also did that with losing yards per play in every playoff game. So, you know, is it possible? Yes. Is it more of the smaller end of the spectrum and the range of outcomes? I think it is because overall, Matt, I think this was – probably the luckiest team in the league last year to go 10 and seven, four and oh in overtime games was the most in NFL history, five and one in games decided by a field goal or less, seven and two in one score games, seventh in fumble luck. They won eight games when they trailed in the game, which was second most in the NFL. They trailed in 15 games last year. The only teams that trailed in more games were the Jets, Giants and Lions. Not exactly elite company. So yeah. um, I think they have talent. I think that offensive line is an enormous red flag for me if this is going to be a double-digit win team again. The other thing here is the strength of schedule. It is yep. the third toughest schedule in all of the NFL, and it is front-loaded to where this Raiders team could get kicked in the teeth right out of the gate and you know basically have a gigantic uphill battle for them the rest of the season weeks one to five they are playing five straight teams that are projected to have winning records this season start out with the chargers cardinals titans broncos chiefs one through five listen 
a I think you're jumping up and down. If you're three and two, if you come out of that stretch, Steven, you're more likely two and three coming out of that stretch. And I don't think anyone would be completely shocked. I don't think anyone that that game against the Titans is on the road. Like, I don't think anybody would be completely shocked if they were one and four or even oh and five coming out of that stretch. And that wouldn't mean that this team is bad or terrible or anything. It's just it's a very, very tough five games to start the season. Yeah, and I see, you know, with this offensive line in particular against the Chargers pass rush, against the, you know, the the Titans have an underrated pass rush. You have the Broncos that don't have a great one, but, but the Chiefs have a decent pass rush as well. So with this offensive line ranked 25th by Sharp Football, they allowed 40 sacks last year. Second to last in run block win rate and 21st in pass block win rate a year ago. And I think they got worse, honestly, going into this season. The only reliable offensive lineman they have is their left tackle, Colton Miller, who is the number five tackle by PFF a year ago. All the others are below average grades for their position group at Garden Center. So major issues here. And the only others that we we didn't mention are guys coming off of significant injuries from a year ago that'll compete for starting time. But um, this is one of the reasons why I'm probably going to bet Derek Carr under 45 and a half passing yards. Uh, last year was the first time in his career he surpassed that number, wound up being top five in the league. But when he's pressured, just 32% success rate, 6.8 yards per attempt versus 8.1 when he's not pressured, 54% completion rate versus 75% when he's not pressured. So those are actually around league average for those situations, but it but it shows how critical keeping pressure off your quarterback is. And I'm not sure this is an offensive line that's equipped to do it. He also ranked 31st among quarterbacks in EPA per attempt when outside the pocket. So if there's pressure, he is not equipped to get out of the pocket and be efficient as a passer on the run. 24th and first down EPA per attempt in the first three quarters. And what was really interesting to me, below average on easy throws, on layup throws, 19th in that category. So um, I think a lot went right for him to surpass this number a year ago. 4,500 yards would have been top seven in the league last year. And I'm willing to bet that Derek Carr is not going to be a top seven yardage passer this year, even with the addition of Devontae Adams. It's really easy. This is probably the the easiest team to just point at the obvious strengths and then the obvious and, and then the obvious weaknesses, right? I mean, the pass catchers, no one's going to argue there. Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Demarcus Robinson, you're 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 golden there. The the edge pass rushers, Chandler Jones, Max Crosby, no question there. Easily a strength. Uh, you don't have to deal with these crazy off-field distractions this year, which uh, you know I don't think is nothing, right? I mean. You deal with all the Gruden nonsense and then the Henry Rugg stuff that happened as well and all that. Like, I mean, you know, I can't say for sure they won't have to deal with off field stuff, but I mean, it's not going to be the magnitude of of your head coach and, and Henry Ruggs of last year. So those are at least positives here if you want to look at this team. But then all the weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, we talk about the offensive line and and can they really take such a drastic, dramatic step forward? I just don't know. If you look at Alex Leatherwood and Brandon Parker, who started last year as well, those two guys combined to allow the most pressure from the right side of any duo in the NFL. And that includes the Bengals who had a horrible offensive line. And we saw Joe Burrow running for his life and all that. 
they allowed more pressure than any duo in the entire NFL. And, and you know, is Alex Leatherwood really going to take that big of a step? I don't know. I mean, maybe he can, but it just seems like it's something that might be a little bit too much of a challenge this year. And then you look at the secondary, and maybe not necessarily a weakness, but certainly a giant question mark, right? Because Trayvon Mullen, Rock Yassin, Jonathan Abram, these are all dudes that had massive, massive grades coming out of college, had tons of production in college, and have just not been able to really translate that into the NFL. Now, do we see corners kind of get it sometimes? Do we see safeties kind of get it sometimes? Yes, we do. We see them kind of figure it out. The game slows down a little bit and they start to play a little bit better. But if they don't, Stephen, we're talking about Mullen and Yassin and, and Abram and stuff like the secondary, despite how good the pass rush could be with that edge tandem, the secondary might not be good enough to to really help out that that rushing aspect. And so the defense could actually kind of underperform. Week one, Chargers are three and a half point favorites at home against the Raiders. That might actually be closer to a home game for the Raiders because the Chargers don't exactly have a big fan base. So gun to your head. It's July 28th. We still have training camp and preseason to go. What do you think about that week one number? Yeah, I mean, it's I I obviously I lean I'm very bullish on the Chargers. So, I mean, it certainly seems juicy to me. But, um, you know, I don't make I don't make a living betting on in July on week one games or anything like that. I just thought we'd have some fun. But but, I'll say this, Matt, the 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 chart, the Raiders odds to make the playoffs are like plus 170 to make the playoffs, minus 200 not to make the playoffs. I'm not interested in betting the Raiders at, at plus 170 to make the playoffs. The over at Football Outsiders, they have them. Pro- the mean projection for this team is eight and a half wins. They have them in six to eight win territory, 37% of the time. They have them in nine to 11 win territory, 37% of the time. They have them in 12 or more wins, 13% of the time, which is also the same as they have them in zero to five wins, which is 13% of the time. So they're like, kind of like what we're saying, their ceiling and their floor are really, really high and really, really low for this team. And they're equally as, as big, at least according to the projections over at football outsiders, um, they have them making the postseason 42.2% of the time. And they have them making the Super Bowl 5.1% of the time for this Raiders squad. I think that is all about right, Stephen. I mean, if we look, look, if we look, if we, if we sit here and say, if everything goes right for this team, could we be talking about the Raiders as a real contender in the AFC? Absolutely. If the defense somehow, if, if that pressure rate is everything we think it can be and the secondary takes a step forward and the offensive line is not the 25th offensive line, but it's more like the 16th offensive line. If it could just be league average, then I think, yes, certainly we could be talking about this Raiders team as a true contender. I just don't think those steps are all going to happen in, in the same season. Yeah, for sure. I, 
I felt that way again about the Bengals going into the playoffs last year, that they weren't a true contender. I was correct in yards per play and and wrong at the at the window. So, you know, yeah. these things can happen, right? There it's it's possible these things can happen. I'm just not betting on the Raiders to reach their ceiling this year. I thought they were really fortunate last year. I think Derek Carr has to learn another offensive system now with a first year head coach. Well, first year with this team. And um, yeah, I'm just not betting on a ceiling for this team. Again, the best number you can find on the Raiders to win the AFC West seven to one. So be sure and shop around because these numbers uh, are changed drastically uh, between book to book. So be sure and shop around on those guys. Derek Carr to win the MVP. Best number you're going to find 30 to one on him and if you're looking for them to win the Super Bowl what can you get on the Raiders to win this thing you can find a 40 to 1 at multiple books out there so 40 to 1 being the best number on that team and finally let's go back to the Kansas City Chiefs Chiefs if you're looking to bet them to win the Super Bowl 11 to 1 best number you're going to find to win the division plus 190 is the best number that you're going to find. And of course, as you would imagine, every single year for as long as he's in existence, Patrick Mahomes is going to be one of the short shots to win the MVP. Best number you can find on him is nine to one. Steven, the big news here, as we always know, well, I mean, look, at the top, everything stayed the same. Andy Reid coming into his 10th season, Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator. They did bring back Matt, they brought Matt Nagy in as quarterbacks coach, which I thought was a little bit interesting. Steve Spagnuolo is a defensive coordinator here. The big news was who went out, not necessarily who came in. And who went out was Tyreek Hill, Tyron Matthew, Melvin Ingram, Traverius Ward. You're talking about four starters out the door here for this team, Stephen, that when you look at what came in, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Justin Reed. The out the door is much more than the in the door for this Chiefs team. I agree. I think we mentioned the Chargers are taking advantage of a rookie quarterback contract and the ability to bolster a roster around that cheap quarterback price. I think we're seeing the the start of the tail end of the spectrum with the Chiefs and the challenges of dealing with a quarterback making mega money in Patrick Mahomes. His cap hits are going up into the 30 and $40 million ranges over the next couple of years. They weren't able to keep Tyree Kill or sign him to an extension because of that. And I am not a believer that replacing him with Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster, I do like Sky more long-term, but I don't think any of that replaces the production that Tyree Kill provided. So um, I think that we are looking at a situation with the Chiefs that – It was an offense. If you look on paper, Matt, they were elite again. They were number one across the board in pretty much every advanced stat. But they had the fewest drives in the NFL. They had the fewest opportunities. So what was the reason for that? And I think it's because it was the defense. This defense was was ninth in total efficiency and 12th against the pass in 2020. They dropped all the way down to 24th in total defensive efficiency and 22nd against the pass. Now, How are they still able to get as far as they did to another AFC championship game? It was because the defense was top 10 in third down and red zone. So 
those are two stats that are not sticky year over year. Those are stats that tend to have regression. So if you're asking me, is this defense more likely to be a bottom half defense that has its red zone and third down regress to bottom half? Or is this more likely to be a red zone and third down top 10 defense that's more likely for its overall offense to regress to top 10 as well? I'm saying the former, not the latter. I don't have faith in this defense. I think it's more likely that you are bottom half in the league in overall defense and your red zone and third down regresses downward to that point. So um, I think that this is a team that's kind of similar to Denver in that their offense is really going to have to carry them again. It's a good thing that they're a very advanced offense and they're an elite offense, but I certainly think that it is nowhere close that overall looking at these rosters, the Chargers have the better roster. If you look, and yes, it is a big deal that Tyreek Hill is gone. What people aren't talking about is what they lost on the defensive side of the ball. And you lose Traverius Ward, you're pro- like, arguably, actually not arguably, your your best corner. You lose Tyron Matthew, your best playmaker, your best turnover guy. Melvin Ingram, you lose as well. Now they drafted well. First round, Trent McDuffie at corner. He's gonna have to start as a rookie. George Karloftis at defensive end, he's gonna have to start. Sky Moore at wide receiver in the second round, he's gonna have to start. Brian Cook at safety, he also is going to have to start. So you're looking at, you know, four rookies that are going to have to play significant roles for this team. And look, have we seen rookies come in and just and just be studs from the get go? We, we certainly have and more times here in recent years than we have in years past. But that's going to be asking a lot from this squad to get all of the production that you were getting from Tyreek Hill and Traverius Ward and Tyron Matthew and Melvin Ingram with a bunch of rookies, you know? And so for me, that is one of the things that was a little bit scary for me with this team. If you look down, I, I like what they did in the draft. You know, they, they got a linebacker in the third round, Leo Ch- uh, Chanel. They got a, another corner in Joshua Williams in, in the fourth round. They got Darian Kennard, an offensive guard in the fifth round, who might actually end up having to start if Lucas Niang can't, pass block better like he allowed five or more pressures in three of the seven full game he's all he's always injured for one thing as well but when he was in there he allowed a ton of pressure on Patrick Mahomes and so they might have to start a fifth round rookie on the offensive line at some point down the line as well so I just look at this as hey are they good? Yes, they're good. You have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. You still have Travis Kelsey. You still have Andy Reid calling plays. You still have some, but I think that some of these rookies are actually going to come in and be pretty good. The question for me too, Steve, is like, we don't know what we have in Juju Smith-Schuster or Marquez Valdez-Scantling anymore, right? I mean, like Marcus Valdez-Scantling never got a true opportunity in Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers didn't trust him. Well, is there a reason for that? Is it just, is it just Aaron Rodgers as a, 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 giant, you know, douchebag or something. And like, he just hated Marquez Valdez-Scantling for no reason. Or is there a reason why he didn't want to throw to him very often? And if that's the case, then it's probably the same, the same thing is going to happen in Kansas city. Juju Smith-Schuster. He was good when he was, when he was healthy, he hasn't been healthy in a couple of seasons. We have no idea what he's going to look like when he's running against the ones out there in regular season games. And so, I just don't know where the offensive production from a loss of, of Tyreek Hill and even even the loss of Demarcus Robinson, you know, a, a bit role guy there for them in the in the receiving core. 
I just don't know if this is going to be enough to kind of counteract what the rest of this division has done. So I think that this offense last year had to be extremely patient. And I think it's because defenses started playing more too deep too deep safety. They weren't blitzing as much. So they had more men in coverage, which really dropped their explosive play rate. If you look at the Chiefs explosive play rate by year uh, over the past few years, we're looking at a team that was first, fourth and second from 2018 to 2020 and dropped all the way down to 19th last year. Only 12% of Patrick Mahomes attempts in the first three quarters produced explosive gains that ranked 21st in the NFL. So are they going to be more explosive losing Tyree Kill? I don't think so. I mean, yeah. it, you know, they're going to have to be patient and methodical in their drives, it seems, if defenses are going to continue to run two high safeties against this offense. So um, and with the defense that they have, I mean, this this almost feels like the Denver team a year ago, right? Where the Denver offense moved the ball well. They they didn't score as many points as the Chiefs, but they moved the ball. They were methodical. They ate up a lot of clock on offense, but that led to less offensive opportunities and put their defense in a spot where they didn't have to be on the field for very long. The Chiefs did the same thing. They just scored a hell of a lot more than the Broncos offense did. So I think that if they don't find explosive plays with this new cast of pass catchers and, and Travis Kelsey entering his age 33 season, they're kind of having to thread the needle more. I think that they're kind of limiting the range of outcomes from what we saw with Chiefs mm -hmm. teams a few years ago. And, and really, this defensive line is something to look at here because it was it's a defensive line where you look. Chris Jones is awesome, right? Like that. There's, there's no doubt about that. That, that I'm not going to, that I'm not going to argue. But the edge defenders for this team have been atrocious. Like since 2020, they're the 28th ranked edge team in the NFL. If you take a look, the defensive front was 20th in pressure rate. In 2021, they were 28th in EPA per run play. If you remember, the big thing about this team was everybody was just running at will against this team at the beginning of the season last year. And you look and you say, okay, Chris Jones is still there. That's awesome to have him there and have him on the inside. Frank Clark is a perennial disappointment. And then you look at Karloftis as a rookie who's going to have to step in as a rookie and make a big, big, make a big, big impact. Now, can he do that? Of course. Again, we, I mean, Micah Parsons last year was, was one of those impactful defensive players in all the NFL as a rookie. So it's not to say that Karloftis can't be that guy. I'm just saying it is a lot on a rookie to have to be that guy because it's not a, oh, it would be nice if Karloftis is a big contributor. It would be nice if he can get some pressure on the quarterback. No, no, no. He's going to have to. It is a must for him as a rookie because, again, we've seen it. We already know. Frank Clark can't do it. He can't do it on a consistent basis. And so Chris Jones can only do so much from the interior that, remember, they tried to pop him outside last year, and that's when everyone just ran at will against this team. They had to move him back inside, and then teams finally couldn't run anymore. So it is a lot of pressure on a rookie in Karloftis to come in and have to be that guy. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball. Reed is new at safety. McDuffie is going to be, have to start at rookie at corner, a new linebacker in Carter. So there's a lot of fresh faces as well on this team. And so I'm almost more concerned. I know it's crazy to say when you lose, when you, when you lose a guy like Tyree kill and all that, but like, 
I'm almost more concerned about this team on the defensive side of the ball than I am on the offensive side of the ball. I I agree with that. I mean, they have Patrick Mahomes, right? Like he's still going to be on paper one of the most efficient quarterbacks, if not the efficient quarter, most efficient quarterback in the league. We saw that last year. Like they were still at the top of the league in success rate and EPA. It was just they weren't explosive. So um, you're threading the needle a little bit when you're playing fewer offensive possessions than you were in previous years. And I, my biggest concern on defense is the secondary and the pass coverage for them. They have a lot of good receivers in their division they are going to have to cover. So I, I have no doubts about the offense being at or near the top of the league again. I just think that they... They have to be really efficient, Matt. They have to take advantage of fewer offensive drives than other teams are getting in the NFL that are more explosive. But let's talk about the real thing here, and it's not the defense, and it's not the offense. It is how incredibly difficult this schedule is, and it is the most difficult schedule in all of the NFL. And this is their week one to nine games here, guys, and and I am not even joking. Weeks one to nine. Now they do get a bye week in week eight so they can regroup a little bit, but their games one to nine go Cardinals, Chargers, Colts, Bucks, Raiders, Bills, Niners, Titans. That is their first eight games of the season. And every one of those teams projected to have at least a 500 record or better Multiple of those teams projected to go to the playoffs, Chargers, Colts, Bucks, Bills, Titans. Then you get a little bit of a respite in week 10 with Jacksonville, only to hit a stretch of Chargers, Rams, Bengals, Broncos. I mean, Steven, we could be talking about by week 14 that the final four weeks of the season for the Kansas City Chiefs don't even matter because they can't make the playoffs if things go again, if things go south, right? If they play to a mediocre, I don't even think they have to play to their floor. I think they could just play under under par here. And if that's the case, we could be talking about their season being done by week 14. I'm, I'm glad you talked about the stretch of games after the bye week because all anybody's talking about is the beginning of the schedule and haven't mentioned that three game stretch in the middle of the season as well. And man, it, it is tough. This is part of the reason why I'm betting on the Chargers to win this division at almost plus 250 odds. So mm-hmm. the other thing I wanted to look at here is the odds on the Chiefs to make the playoffs, which sounds crazy on its face, but we talked about the schedule, we talked about the defensive issues, and we talked about the struggles with um, with with incorporating explosive plays again. Plus 180 to miss the playoffs. How does that strike you? No, I, I, I'm... I actually think that they could be third in this division and it would not shock me at all if they were fourth. And I know that sounds crazy. And we're talking about the chiefs and I know it's Andy Reid in his 10th season and Eric B is still there and, and Patrick Mahomes is still there and Travis Kelsey's still there. I get it. I just, the, the, what Tyreek Hill brings on the offensive side of the ball, the production that he's been able to put together, the defense having to rely so heavily on so many new faces and rookies and things like that. I just do believe that there is a scenario in which we're looking at like an eight and nine team. And I know people are going to be like are screaming right now. Listen to this or if they're watching this on YouTube are probably hitting the down button or whatever. But I mean, it's just 
I think that there is an, I don't think it is out of the range of possibilities here that we're looking at an under 500 team. Fourth in the division would shock me because I think the Raiders are just a mediocre roster. Uh, but the other thing that we should mention is just how fortunate they were with injuries last year. They had the least number of, of games lost to injury, the second healthiest on offense and the third healthiest on defense per football outsiders. Um that's hard to replicate year over yeah. year, man. Like, I know the Titans lost a, a, a ton of players last year and still were the one seed in a down AFC or, or a very competitive AFC, however you want to look at it. But that that's not easy to do what the Titans did last year. And if the Chiefs get hit with the injury bug with all of the potential red flags we've talked about, I think you can kiss the division goodbye. And, and like we talked about, they are they are rallying for a wild card spot where they're going to have to win on the road to make the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, we, we take a look here, and yes, it is still one of the short shots to win the um to win to win the MVP. And as and rightfully so, because I don't think, even with us being kind of down on this team, Steven, I don't think that it is out of the range of possibilities for Patrick Mahomes to still put up you know, video game numbers because, you know, we see a lot of times as well. Yes. The offense could be humming and him put up video game numbers, but we've also seen where, Hey, look, what if this defense does struggle a little bit? What if this team does struggle a little bit? They're playing from behind more. They're throwing more They're whatever. Like I'm, I'm not willing to bet anything against Patrick Mahomes from a numbers standpoint, because I think there's two different scenarios in which you could get kind of screwed on that because they could, they could perform what above what we believe as expectation this season, or even even falling short of that, they could still put up big numbers because if, if you're trailing, you're passing a ton and it's still Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, my concern is not necessarily yardage, it's points with with the number of possessions they're gonna have, right? Like they they move the ball at will on offense. It's just they're not they weren't I'm I'm a broken record at this point, is the explosive plays, right? They're not getting chunk plays as often as they did in years past. So ten and um, a half wins is what they're lined at. Ooh, yeah, that that's I think that's a good number. Um I mean I'm not betting the over. I'll say that. As crazy as that sounds, it's the Kansas City Chiefs, but I'm not interested. I'm, I'm guessing the over is a little bit juiced. No, it's 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 even on both sides. I yeah. think the interesting thing for me would be if I wanted to bet this team, I think I would bet the alt numbers on this team because that's interesting. It's, it's like if you think, hey, man, you're crazy. The Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs like over 11 and a half is plus 160, right? Like, so if you're just, if you get the same performance out of this team last year as you got, I mean, this year as you got last year, you're getting plus 160 on the number or an under nine and a half pl- pl- pays at plus 225, Stephen. So they could still have a winning record. They could go nine and eight and you could cash a plus 225 ticket on this Chiefs team. Is it out of the realm of possibility for this team to still have a winning record and and not live up to what we like? I think the under nine and a half at plus 225 is super, super interesting. Yeah, I don't hate it. You know, a little half unit there, something like that. Um, Don't hate it at all. 
the this team has it's crazy to think that the Andy Reid Patrick Mahomes led team has such a wide range of outcomes but we saw that on a week to week basis last year and they hit mm-hmm. enough of their ceilings down the stretch to to still get into the playoffs and and get to the AFC title game um but it's they are they are one of the more fascinating teams in the league coming into this season. That is for sure. And I think that's just always going to be the case when you've had an elite quarterback at a young age and were able to build around a cheap price tag. And now you're at the other end of that and have to try and hit on some middle tier free agents and some draft picks to replace the production that you lost on the rest of the roster. Best number to win the Super Bowl you're going to find on the Chiefs, 11 to 1. The best number you're going to find on the Chargers, 16 to 1. Best number you're going to find on the Broncos out there is 18 to 1. And then the best number you're going to find on the Raiders is 40 to 1. Of course, you can always easily compare all of these by just heading over to the lines and clicking on the odds tab for the NFL. We'll show you in your state where you can get the best number on these guys if you look at the division the best number you're going to find on the chiefs plus 190 to win the afc west best number you're going to find on the chargers plus 240 to win the afc west broncos plus 325 and then the raiders you can find a seven to one out there for them to win the afc west um all of the quarterbacks in this division are all some of the uh shorter odds to win mvp rightfully so steven we've talked about this On other pods last year, we like to bet futures where there's a clear path. Well, in the toughest division in the NFL, if you come out on top in the toughest division in the NFL, you are instantly catapulting yourself towards the the MVP award, strictly based off of navigating yourself through this division. So I understand why Mahomes and Herbert and Russ and even Carr um, are relatively short when it comes to that number because it's the 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 direct path we're talking about like you can draw a direct line as to how these guys win the mvp so i get why they're priced where they are yeah for sure uh you can't i wouldn't pay you or you couldn't pay me to bet Derek carr to win mvp i'm sorry i'm, <laughs> I'm not doing it but uh yeah i mean the opportunity is there in the toughest division in football. Like we we've seen this with team prices in the NFC West in recent years as well, where we thought even Seattle was somewhere in that mix that could that could contend when they had Russell Wilson. So whoever emerged out of that division wound up being near the top of the futures boards because they got through the gauntlet. But I'll also say, Matt, that just because they don't win the division doesn't mean that we shouldn't try and take a price and chase them as a wild card going into the Super Bowl as well. Because we saw that with San Francisco a year ago. And I think if Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy, then they probably beat the the Rams in that NFC championship game, the way that ended, it was a one possession game anyway, and it was a coin flip. But the 49ers were a team that was highly thought of going into the season with a high win total. I could see a situation where one of these other secondary or tertiary teams in the AFC West, high win total, high thought of, struggles a little bit, still gets into the playoffs, and that ceiling is still there for them, and we're getting a much better price on them depending on on the path they have in the playoffs. All right, Stephen, let's put a bow on this. When it's all said and done, I think we've already given it away. Um, Who do we think is going to win the division, and what do we think is going to be the actual finishing order here in this division? 
I think the Chargers are going to win the division. Uh, I will still put the Chiefs second. The Broncos third, but still a playoff team. Um, and, and the Raiders last. I have Chargers, Broncos, mm. Chiefs, Raiders. That said, I I keep saying this. It would not surprise me if the Chiefs brought up the rear in this division. I know that seems crazy, but I think that this division is that tough. I think this division is is that stout. And I think that that schedule of theirs is also that tough to where you are just going to take it. It would take a perfect scenario, I think, for them to to go ahead and win the division. Full disclosure, I do have a Chargers ticket to win the AFC West. I also have Chargers AFC tickets as well as it is anyway. Um, I do also have Broncos uh, AFC West tickets because I beat the market on the Russell Wilson news. So um, that number's long gone. I don't think I would bet the 325 on the Broncos. I think the 240 at the Chargers is still worth betting. I do. I'm very, very bullish on this team. As you guys listen to this podcast and watch this YouTube channel moving forward, as Steven and I continue to, to preview things throughout the course of the season, and as we get into the season, you're going to see. I, I'm pretty bullish on this Chargers team. I love what they did on the defensive side of the ball to shore up that end, and I think the offense was already intact. So um, do have me a Chargers ticket already. And I am pretty confident in in this Charger squad really taking that next step here moving forward this season. Steven, you said you're looking to probably add a Chargers ticket to your account. Yeah, for sure. I just haven't gotten over the bridge here from Kentucky to Indiana, mm-hmm. but Chargers uh, AFC West will absolutely be in my account at the best available price. Guys, as I said, everything we talked about here, the way we were so easily able to compare the odds and find the best number on all these things is because we make it very simple for you over the line. So just head over there, lines, go to the odds tab, click on NFL and everything you could possibly ever look for there. And if you want to ask yourself, where can I get the best number on these guys from you know an MVP standpoint or an over under on their season pass totals, whatever it might be, click the little prop finder button and just type in the quarterback's names or actually any anybody's name, any of the receivers, any anything you'll be able to find all of the markets that are available for those guys as well over at the lines. If you're following us, if you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead, hit the subscribe button. Really do appreciate it. And if you are listening to this just on the audio version, one, you can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash the lines us. And uh, we certainly would love to have you over there. And if you're listening to us on the audio version only, and you don't want to see our faces, that's fine. Please subscribe, rate, review. We do appreciate that as well. If you want to follow Steven on the Twitter machine at Steven Anders one, you want to follow me at Matt Brown M two. We'll be back. We'll be previewing every single thing, guys, at the Lions. Cannot wait for NFL 2022. Talk to you guys soon. Football. Football.